Let's pray together as we start it here. Father, as we sing those words, as we say those truths, we want to truly confess with our hearts, you, Lord Jesus, are at the center of everything that we are. And Lord, as you, you know our hearts and you know the competing allegiances, you know the idolatries that can dominate our lives at times, you know, Lord, Lord the ways that we can worship things that are not you. And Lord, I pray in this weekend that you would remind us as we focus on our marriages, that even, yes, our marriages are to be centered on you, that they are a picture of the permanence of the Christ church relationship. And God, that you would show that to us and ever deepen our intimacy and our relationships with one another as we think through the ways in which we are to glorify you as husbands and wives. Lord, you are so good, you are so gracious to us. And I pray in this time, you would do abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think for your glory and for the good of this church and the good of this city and this state, this country and this world. Lord, let us be ambassadors of the gospel for the glory of your name in word and with the aroma of our marriages as we seek to honor you in all ways. Help us now, I pray. Help me, I pray, to be clear and encouraging and helpful to these men and women. And I pray, God, that in the end of the day, you would be honored as we think on your word and seek to follow hard after you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have Bibles, Ephesians 4, you can turn there. We'll be heading there tonight for a bit, and then some Colossians as well. So good evening. Most of you have no idea like, who, who is this tall guy. Uh, my name is Jeremy Kimball. Good to be here with you all. I hail from Ohio uh, a long time ago today, and uh, here we are now. So we had early morning to the day, early start of the day, and uh, glad to be here. So excited to be with you again here in Salt Lake City. And I, like Will said, feel, felt... Uh, a bit overwhelmed by this assignment to say, man, I've been married to Rachel now 21 years, and uh, I, I'm a little slow in the uptake, and so it was like a month ago or so, I said to Rachel, like, hey, like, we've been married for like now like a little over half of our lives. Crazy. She's like, yeah, I knew that. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I just made that connection. I was like, wow, that's incredible. So, um, man, 21 years of an amazing, incredible marriage to this woman. And uh, it's humbling to come because if you're anything like me, you know um, maybe there are things that you and your spouse are fully aware of in your relationship that many others aren't. Um, dark moments, valleys that you've walked through and you come out of the other side of that deeper, stronger, but more sobered in your relationship as well. And uh, I just want to say publicly, I thank God for you, Rachel. More than you can know. And I'm just grateful for you in so many ways. And so um, I want to dive into this. Not, I've, I've been to marriage conferences. Like, oh, there's the expert. Please, please don't think of it this way. I want to be a fellow journeyer with you in the word of God to be a faithful husband and father. And uh, Rachel wants to talk tomorrow as well to be the ladies here to be faithful wives and and moms, and just minister well in those kinds of ways. So we want 
Thanks for that song, brother. Man, we want the gospel to be central in this because marriage is a picture of the gospel. It is a beautiful picture of the Christ-church relationship. Marriage is temporary. The Christ-church relationship is eternal. And we recognize as we do what we do in this life as husband and wife, as Christians, we are picturing to others, this is picturing Jesus, the bridegroom, and we as his people, the bride being gathered together someday in a new creation with him forever. That's the aim. That's the goal. And so marriage reminds us of those things. Again, marriage is temporary. The Christ church relationship is eternal. We thank God for the gospel. I, I'm reading right now with some guys at 7.30 a.m. on Tuesdays um, that want to come out that early in the day reading Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's going through a chapter a week, basically. And we just got into a great gospel chapter and a lot of focus on the word propitiation. Ah, oh, it's a good word. And it's a beautiful concept. Have you taught this yet in your class? You have? Then you all know. So uh, anyway, so the, the wrath-satisfying sacrifice of Christ, that we were sinners by nature from conception, alienated from God, and God being both just and justifier sends the Son to be that sacrifice for us on our behalf. That's why our marriages have any hope. That's why we have any hope. Christ died for our sins to raise us from spiritual death to life and to draw us to himself in relationships. So marriage speaks to that. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's amazing. We'll hit a variety of things this weekend together. And tonight, uh, the assignment is communication. Communication in marriage. Communication is so essential and communication can break down so ridiculously easily. So have you ever had a moment where you said something and it was not received in the way you intended? Like, I, I didn't mean or intend that. Or have you said something out loud to your spouse at which point you wish you could like drag those words back? And you can't. They're, they're out there for public consumption. <laughs> or in our case, Rachel, I do love you. But no, like Rachel has experienced some, some genuine hearing loss in the last couple of years, which makes some moments of tough communication. We've had to, we're still figuring that out. We are. We're in process. But I think Rachel and I, we consider ourselves to be fairly adept communicators. But there are moments there are moments, and a lot of those moments seem to happen on vacation, <laughs> while driving somewhere out of the ordinary, or about extended family. Just saying. So those are moments where those breakdowns can occur. So th here's the point. God's calling us to think through our speech with our spouses in ways that build up and don't tear down. And is it not amazing Sometimes we're so careful in the way we say things with our coworkers or our friends, and it's our very closest companions, our spouse, that we can be the most flippant in our communication with at times. So if you take any notes down, I'll just give you this main idea for this, this session here. It's this, communicate for the glory of God and the good of your spouse. Communicate for the glory of God and the good of your spouse. Say words that you say. Listen 
to show God you're glorious and to say, I want your good as a husband or as a wife. So in your notes there, in your booklets there, you'll see, I heard these years ago, I'm still trying to work on these, these matters, the four laws of communication from Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. So let me read these verses for us and then break down some thoughts here and then from Colossians, a couple things as well. So verse 25, Ephesians 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief steal no longer, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So, some thoughts here to keep in mind. In communicating just generally to our spouse, here are these four, four laws. Heard these years ago, they're helpful, I think, in many ways. First, we're called to be lovingly honest. Verse 25 says, Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. In Ephesians 4, 15, it says you should speak the truth in love. I'm from New York originally. We take pride in the fact that we are truth speakers, right? Early, early on in marriage, early on, like year one, uh, my wife was fond of saying, because I'm like, I just, just speak the truth, right? The club. Um, and so she would often say, Jeremy, it's not just what you say, it's, yes, you all know. Yeah, so, and it's true, tone matters, how you say things. Yes, speak the truth lovingly, speak it lovingly. Speaking the truth in love means accurately communicating the facts as they are with the person's best interests in mind. I'm saying truthful things with your best interests and trying to think through how to say that well in terms of words, in terms of tone, in terms of timing. Sometimes the right thing said at the wrong time is just the wrong thing. So you got to recognize, like, like, when would that be good to say and how do I say that? And saying something with a smile versus a scowl can communicate differently. It communicates love or annoyance. So that love matters in those ways in our lives. So speak the truth in love. Convey those truths for the best interests. Secondly, keep current. So say what you say lovingly and honestly. Secondly, keep current. This is verse 26. Be angry and don't sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, out of curiosity, has anyone like me taken that verse like very, very literally? Anyone besides me? I don't see any hands. Like, I, I was early on in marriage like, hey, um, it's nighttime. I am not a night person. Oh, my goodness. Not a night person. And we have some kind of conflict. And uh, I'm like, we got to solve this. Got to figure this out. And it would go terribly. 
because I'm, I'm not a night person. It's just bad. And one time, I recall, like, we've got to figure this out. What's going on here? This is breaking down the communication and all this. We can't let the sun go down in our anger, you know? That's what the verse says. And Rachel said, Jeremy, the sun's already down. It's like, it's like 9.30 p.m. Okay, it's already literally down. How about we, uh, I would just convey this or commend this to you. How about we go to bed and sleep and like, let's set a time right now, tomorrow, we'll talk at like this time and we'll discuss this issue and figure it out then. So we're not neglecting it. We're not avoiding it. We're planning for it. Let's do that together. And sure enough, like next day you get there and you're like, that wasn't that big of a deal. That's interesting, you know, so. But here, here's the thing. When we say keep current, here's the idea. We mean by this, we don't bring this up when forgiveness is extended to our spouse. That's verse 32, we'll get there. We don't bring that up a month later, two months later, six months later, as a way of saying, hey, I'm still holding this against you. Once you've figured those things out, right, you don't let life go on while you're angry. You don't give the devil a foothold. You deal with those issues and you stay current. What's forgiven is forgiven. We'll see in verse 32, like, well, like, why and how is that? Go figure. The gospel. We forgive as God in Christ forgave us. We'll get there. But questions to ask before communicating a problem. Here's a few things to keep in mind with the keep current idea. Do I have the facts right? Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame. There's times I'm anticipating, I know what you're going to say. I'm going to break in and just say what needs to be said. And Rachel will say calmly, that's not what I was going to say. Thank you very much. So listen, right? It's the idea there. Um, is this problem just a preference? 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes you recognize, like, is this just preferential or is this a real issue we need to deal with in our lives? Is my timing right? This is Proverbs 15, 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. Timing matters. Is my attitude right? Am I trying to help the other person or tear them down? In my attitude, I want to build them up or tear them down. Again, Ephesians 4, 29, we'll get there in a moment. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up as fits the occasion. I recall in college, our basketball coach had us memorize that verse because guys on our team were really good verbal assassins. They could just like cut you down so fast and our coach got sick of it. He's like, I want you all to memorize that verse and apply it. And I want to say for our marriage's sake, it would be good for us to think through no corrupting talk, only what's going to build up as fits the occasion. It's a good standard. Are my words loving? Have I prayed for God's help? Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Sometimes I'm so fast to say, I got to figure this out and communicate right and do this and do that. We're going to stop to pray and say, God, give me wisdom on this to know how to best handle these things. So in all of that, ask some of those questions. Think biblically and let's keep current 
with the issues that, that are at hand. We forgive, let's forgive and move forward in those ways. Third, attack the problem, not the person. This is tomorrow morning, I'll say more of this tomorrow, but I just wanna say right now, your spouse is not the enemy. Your enemy is the enemy. You have an enemy, and he is your enemy, and he wants you to think your spouse is the enemy, and they're not. They're your husband, they're your wife, whatever, just they're not the enemy. They're the one that you are in covenant with to live together in love. That's the call. So recognize that's the case. Don't attack the person. Let's think through the problem, what's going on there. Verse 29 again, thinking through what's building up as fits the occasion. Because why? Verse 30, in our communication, friends, we can say things in ways that genuinely grieve the spirit. We can grieve our spouse at some level, which is a terrible thing, but there are ways in which we can Verse 29, communicate unwholesome words that grieves the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, I need all the help from the Spirit of God that I can get. All of it. And if I want to be a Spirit-filled man, part of that comes down to the way in which I'm going to operate with my wife. First Peter 3, 7, that's tomorrow morning as well. Guys, we'll think more about that. That your, your very prayers could be hindered when you don't treat your wife in an honorable way. So we want to honor our spouse. We want to not grieve the spirit. We want to attack the, the problem, not the person. So our words should encourage growth and solve problems, not rip apart or hinder. We want to think through this issue together. Our words should fit the need. We should avoid confusing words, mean-spirited words, the result should be communication that is a benefit to those who hear it. We gotta speak truth, correction at times, but say it in a way that's going to bring life to that person. There's life and death in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18 says. Do you know that? You do know that. If you've been marriage for a time, you know that words can destroy and words can do such beautiful work in a life. So be lovingly honest, keep current, attack the problem, not the person. And then the last one here, act, don't react. Verse 31 again, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Those are all negative attitude and speech patterns. Get rid of them. Kill them. Destroy them. Can I, can I toss sarcasm in there? One thing I've seen again and again in marriages is the destructive nature of sarcasm. Year one or two, I forget what it was exactly, but Rach one day said to me in my, my sarcasm toward her, she said, just so you know, um, I'm never, ever helped by sarcasm. Ever. It's like, Okay. Thank you, duly noted. And I recognize I've got to change some speech patterns because the way that I'm speaking to her isn't giving her life and I want to give her life. So in this idea here, I want to act, not react. In any communication moment, it is not natural to respond biblically. It's not natural. It's supernatural. We naturally want to answer sin 
with sin. (laughs) So this is definitely true in communicating in a reactionary mode. But just to note, one sin plus one sin does not equal biblical communication. Fair? Easy to say, but to recognize, but you don't know what she said. You don't know what he did. I, I might, possibly. But the reality is, in that moment, we are not going to be helped by mere reactions that are sinful to solve the problems and move toward Christ's likeness in our marriages. It's going to require humility. It's going to require pausing. It's going to require prayer. It's going to require reminding yourself and preaching to your own soul, I love because he first loved me. Okay, help me to love Lord in this moment and do this well. So we strive to be proactively kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Why? Read verse 32 at the end. Because God in Christ forgave you. The basis of all that is good in your marriage is the gospel. The basis of all that is good in your marriage is based on God's forgiveness of you in Christ. Some may say in this room with your story, your narrative, they may look at your life, your marriage, and say, how did you forgive that person for that thing? And you can happily and readily answer, because God in Christ forgave me. And the power of forgiveness resides in gospel truth. And what a testimony, friends. When we wrong our spouse, and we will, and they, in Christ's likeness, step forward to forgive us. And we receive that, and we humble ourselves and pursue Christ all the more together. Six or seven years ago, Roundabouts. Um, it was a dark time in our marriage. And Rachel had every reason to be angry and upset and frustrated toward me for a variety of things. And we had talked through a lot of things, prayed through a lot of things, cried through a lot of things asked for forgiveness for a lot of things. And at one point in that period, I said to her, as a Bible professor at a Christian school and a pastor in the past as well, are we going to make it? I didn't ask it in a sarcastic way. I didn't ask it in a vindictive way. I just wondered what all this was going to be doing for our marriage and to our marriage. And uh, I just thank God for his grace. I thank God for his church. I thank God for people who loved us and cared for us and ministered to us and encouraged us along the way as we hope to do to others as well. And we, we understand these things in our lives. I started Josh before we started. Josh and Ariana are good friends of ours. We love them very, very much. And uh, just reminding one another tonight that we are needed in ministry and we're also needy. 
That's true for all of us. So seeing those four laws and saying, yeah, I, I see possible lack there in certain areas. We can grow in this and out of the other. Yeah, join the club. So there's a place called Gospel Grace Church that meets on Sundays, like every week, <laughs> right? And, and just to say, as you gather and do this, we should know one another enough to say, I wanna encourage you to pursue Christ in your marriage and help me too. That we'd be genuine and honest and authentic in community groups here on Sundays, whenever, and just help one another to grow in these ways. Look, everyone in the room, let's just admit, like in, at some level, in some way, your marriage is jacked up. Okay, let's just say that out loud and say, it's true, I, we have issues. I know, you're human. You're not Jesus, nor am I. So let's just start there and let's start with the reality of what the gospel is and let's just keep ministering faithfully to one another in those ways. So with your spouse, talk through this, yes, and also uh, make sure that you, with one another, are saying these things. Let's not be ashamed. Let's embrace the fact that we need each other. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Real quick, uh, on this, just briefly here on these four laws, here's four common hijacks, just briefly here. Like four common hijacks of communication, if you want to jot these down, that, that could be not helpful. Maybe there's five. I don't know, four. Yeah. So um, crying. Now, listen. What, here, listen, listen. listen. Oh, be careful here. Shedding tears is not wrong in itself. I want to say that. Showing emotions, okay. We could, though, use tears to manipulate. Is that fair? So, Rachel, if you mind me sharing this, is that okay? Yeah, cool. Um, so, Rachel tends to, to move toward tears fairly quickly. Our kids are like, you know, we'll watch a movie or we'll be at church singing a song, and she's like, oh, you know, our kids are like, what's your deal? But that's, that's her. And so, at times, I've said to her this, this communication uh, later in our marriage, especially. We uh, have this tense sort of conversation. We're going through things, and suddenly tears start coming down her cheeks, and I'm like, that's not fair, you know? And, and she's, she's great. She'll, at times, like, tears are coming. She's like, I'm okay. This is just, it's happening, but I'm listening. It's okay. We're good. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> it's weird, but, but we, we do. We, we work through that, and, and she's not trying to but we can use emotions at times to get our way. Is that fair? We gotta be very careful with that. Uh, a second one, threatening slash exploding or the silent treatment. Two sides of the same coin. You could be an exploder, right, coming at you, or just like turn the cold shoulder, silent treatment. So let me say this, speaking louder does not make you right, <laughs> okay? Like your louder volume doesn't mean, oh, you, you are correct. <laughs> that's, that's not the case. So we need to be careful of that. Threatening can be manipulation. Silence can be manipulation. It, need to see those things and recognize those are true. Um, here's another one, the last word, the last word. Using the like, well, all I have to say is, or, well, I just want to say in conclusion here, which could be good, but again, could be used to really undo all that you communicated so far. So be mindful of that. And, and then here's one last one, one more hijack to communication is, is leaving, just leaving. Um, now, again, some may say, hey, 
give me five minutes. Let me just breathe and think and, and have some space for a moment here. I'm talking like you leave abruptly with no intention of trying to solve this well. So we need to make sure we're not going about those things in those kinds of ways. Friends, communicating is hard work. It's really, really hard work. To communicate in a godly way, talk calmly and rationally and not spiral down, it's hard sometimes. It's hard. Can I encourage you? There's moments you got to just stop and say, okay, you are not the enemy. Got it. Okay, let's press on toward loving communication, truthful communication. You're not the enemy. The enemy is. Let's have the problem, not you. Just remind yourself of these things. Slow down. Pray together. It, when you're in the heat of the moment, it may feel like the weirdest thing to just say, can we just pray? What? 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 No, we're dealing with this kind of thing. That could be the best thing you could do. It's just a pause. And just say, we need prayer for this. Let's just pause and think through this and pray toward these things. So that's just some general communication thoughts in this passage here uh, that I want to just commend to us. I'm saying us because I need this as well. To think on how can I both speak words that are going to be com- like conveyed well, but also to hear what's being said. This is a two-way street that I'm listening, I'm not trying to formulate what's gonna come out of my mouth next while they're talking, waiting them to breathe and be like, mm, boom, and say that, like, but to let them talk. Listen so they're understood. Ask questions. All those things are key. That's general. Now, turn briefly to Colossians 3, just for a moment here. Because I, I wanna get specific on, on two things real quick. That's general communication, but I want to say two more things. We should communicate the word of God, and we should communicate in prayer as spouses. We should communicate the word of God and communicate in prayer. So Colossians 3.16, I love this verse. I say it all the time in my classes. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The call here is you let the word of God dwell in you. Meditate on it. Think on it. Psalm 1, meditate on it delightfully day and night. Why? So you can teach and admonish others. Who's in closest proximity? Your spouse. To say things to them from the Word of God. As we engage in study and meditate on the Word of God and let it dwell in us richly, it's going to come out of us toward our spouse in a good way. We, we read, we study, we meditate, and then it just overflows from us. We share the joy we've experienced communing with God. Now, that presupposes, friends, that we are opening our Bibles throughout the week, throughout the various days of our lives, and we are reading and studying, and meditating, and praying, oh God, as I read this, as I meditate on this, move my heart to love this. Let me see your glory. Satisfy me this morning with your steadfast love. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Open my eyes to see beautiful things in your word. When you do that, when I do that, it's just coming out, people. We speak about what we love. You naturally speak about what you love. It's going to come out naturally. We all do this. 
I'll bet all of us here could name a few things that our spouses love. How do we know? They talk about it. Spend money on it. Pursue it. All these things. Rachel hears me talk a lot about biking. I'm a road cyclist. I love road bikes. I saw some today. We were walking at a park today, and I'm like, oh, it's a nice specialized bike there. Love hiking. You have mountains. I'm from Ohio. Oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I love this place. It's so beautiful. Uh, so I love hiking, love biking, love reading. And, I, man, blessings. Whoever did this tonight, I love cheesecake. Thank you. Whoever that was, just thank you. That's like ministry. Anyway, um, I love that. So, Rach, I know she loves her family. First date, that was like 90% of her her talks about her family, got that. She loves her family. She loves vacation planning. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, she loves potential couples at Cedarville University. <laughs> you do. You do, right? Uh, she loves Jane Austen. Right? Just, just, I just know these things that she really enjoys and loves because she talks about them, pursues them, whatever. So the point is we talk about what we love. Man, I'm just telling you. We were here last March with a team of 20 Cedarville students, as well as our two kids, Hannah and Jonathan. The one Sunday they had here, and, and the, the week we had here, this church impacted my kids. I, I mean, in, in like they came on a Sunday and were around some of you throughout the week, and they're like, man, this church is different. They're different. It's beautiful. Such that I was telling my friends at the table here tonight, my kids' plan right now is like, go to Cedarville, get educated, they moved to Utah, and, and they're like, when you guys get sense, come on out here too. And I'm like, uh, okay, whatever. So uh, they, they loved this place, and they loved gospel grace. I mean, had genuine impact on them. They saw the love of Jesus here. I, seriously, they saw the love of the word of God here and Jesus here and just loved what they saw. And in your marriages, that's got to translate. You love the Lord, you love his word, you convey these things, and so it can be formal, it can be informal, planned, spontaneous. But if we love God and are consistently in his word, we're going to say Bible stuff to our spouse. It's going to come out. Uh, so look to benefit one another from speaking biblical words. Text them to your spouse. Email them. Hang them in your house. Linger over words from the Bible on a date. Just take some time to do that. And this is, this is Rachel. I was asking about some of these things here. Here's something she said here. Don't be preachy. Be testimonial. It's a good word. Because you can like say, hey, I was, I was reading this morning about how you need to be patient. And, right, you can do that. We want to be not preachy. We want to do this. We want to communicate the word of God to our spouse in a testimonial way. Man, God is working on me in this particular way. So, I mean, in your life, God's working on you. God's working on me. He's working on un unrestricting my love toward others. That's a long story, but just he's working on that in me right now in various ways. And it's been good and hard, but I've been talking to Rachel about that in various ways in my life and trying to say some of those things. Not say, and you need to do this, but say, God's at work. And I, I'm encouraged when she does that, and you would be too. So testimonially, Speak to what you're seeing in the Word of God each day. Encourage them that way. And then communicate in prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Short verse, but like 
Continue steadfastly, pray without ceasing, right? Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Are we watchful in prayer? Are we praying with expectation that God's actually going to move? Because he is, and he does. So here we're going to persevere in prayer, be watchful for God, be at work in those prayers, and to be thankful when he works. It's so like straightforward and easy and simple, but man, pray, watch God for the work, and when he works, thank him. And bring your spouse along in that to say, right? We prayed, and there it is, and that's beautiful. And there's, there's moments, man, we're, we're in the, the middle of, of parenting years. It's got a 16-year-old daughter, 14-year-old son. This is not a parenting weekend, I know. It's not going too long, but just to say prayers are, are needed in parenting. Yes? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, um, and there, there's days I'm praying, and I'm watchful, and I'm like, Lord, this or that or the other, please work in my child, my children. And uh, man, there's days where God just does something really, really cool. And you're like, that's beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for that. We're like celebrating high 10. It's like, yes, praise God. God's doing good stuff. And there are other days too. Um, and we pray. Prayer of the spouse is so Needful. It can be lacking, but man, it's an important part of our communication with our spouse. Our, our marriages are beyond us. Can we just say that? We are inadequate. I am an inadequate husband. Okay? Guys in the room, fair? Say the same? Ladies may say, like, I'm an inadequate wife. Yes, got it. So we recognize that in our inadequacy, 2 Corinthians 1, 9 and 4, 7 say, like, God wants us to draw us to himself in dependence on, in prayer. He wants us to come in that kind of a way. So just ask this question. What have you prayed for as a couple? Or what are you praying for as a couple? Rachel and I have prayed through some things that are pleasant and good and easy, it feels like. We've prayed through some things that are gut-wrenchingly hard and will in days to come, I'm sure. We've prayed through decisions to leave ministries and move. We've prayed through decisions to do something that would radically affect our families. We've prayed through illnesses that have occurred in our family at various times. we prayed for our kids. All kinds of things. It's like Colossians 4.12 where it says, Epaphras, who's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling or even more literally agonizing on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. Sometimes, friends, we're going to agonize in prayer. Sometimes we're going to say, I want to double down. I'm going to fast and pray and pursue the Lord on this and just seek God's face to do a work that is beyond me. Maybe in your marriage. So the call here is communicate for your spouse by praying for them and communicate to your spouse by praying with them. That's the call. I just offer you one, maybe one resource if you want it. Uh, there's a website called hismagnificence.com. Hismagnificence.com. A friend of mine named Andrew runs that website and there are two free books there 
You can download those PDFs. Uh, one's called Water of the Word, and one's called Prayers of an Excellent Wife. So again, hismagnificence.com, two books there. And all they are, the whole book, or books, all they are is Bible that is turned into prayer toward either your husband or toward your wife. Really, really helpful uh, ways to pray for your spouse. Really good. Read the Bible every day and pray, like from your time in the Word, say, oh man, I want to pray that for my spouse. Pray it for me, for my kids, so extended family, church, all that. But pray it for your, your spouse. Ask them, how can I pray for you? And then pray. Pray. And communicate to the Father for them and pray with them for them. At planned moments, spontaneously, it doesn't have to be long. But we should pray consistently for our spouse and see God work in them. It's not every morning, but a lot of mornings now, Rich and I pray briefly in the mornings and just try to set the day's trajectory on, okay, where are we? What's next? Let's pray through these things. And man, I have to tell you, sometimes I pray with her in the mornings and we'll just have this little discussion before we go to Bible time. And... Uh, even there, like what I just prayed, I'll pray things and then speak of the exact same things after I say amen to her with faithlessness. I think, what did I just pray for? And so I want to keep doing that as a habitual pattern to work my heart toward, no, I'm praying in faith. I'm believing God for this. We're going to pray for our spouse, with our spouse in all these ways. So communication is key in marriage. Issue done for the glory of God and the good of your spouse. That's why we're saying we're saying to one another. Lots of words spent in this relationship. We want to spend them well. We want to use them well. We don't want to think, I've arrived in terms of my communication. We can grow. We can learn. We can love. We can honor. We can do things in ways that God is calling us to based on his grace all sufficient grace. So you see some, some questions, maybe in the notes in the book there in front of you that are just based on this talk here. And maybe there's some time in the next day you could with your spouse just think through some of those things together and pray through what might be areas of growth, even also areas of commendation and encouragement. Like you do well in this area. I want to just commend you for that. So much of communication is not just about critique. It's about commendation and encouragement as well. And so I want to encourage you to read through those, think through those, talk through those together. Let me just end our time now before I pray. I just mentioned this verse. I'll just say it for us here. This is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And may we recognize this truth for our marriages. It says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Father, I pray that every couple here would know your grace is abundant and your grace is sufficient. It genuinely is. Lord, if there are Rocky moments of marriage in this room, valleys people find themselves in. And they wonder, 
how they will move forward from here. I pray that you would minister to them specifically right now, that they would know your grace is sufficient, it is abundant. To those who are doing well, but know they've had difficult years before and times may come that are difficult as well in the future, I pray they would know your grace is abundant and your grace is sufficient. It's never ending. And Lord, we want to communicate well with our spouse for your glory and for their good. So help us. <laughs> We're coming to you saying we need help. So give us grace in this. Let us be mindful of what we say and how we say it. Let us look to build one another up, not tear one another down. Lord, let us be gospel-centered people who from our belief in Jesus would flow love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and kindness and compassion and love and gentleness and patience and self-control. May these things accompany all that we say by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.